So I'm really excited to be here tonight. Who else is excited to be in church tonight? Yeah. All right. A couple things. My name's Chris, as he said. I'm 23. Birthday was on Monday. So happy birthday to me. Uh, fun fact about me, I live with my mom. Live at home. Shout out if you live at home. Nothing to be ashamed of. I lived for a long time by myself. If mom lets you back in rent-free, go home rent-free. Save that money. And I have a dog. His name was Juice. I had given him my mom when I was in an apartment because we almost got kicked out for him. She changed his name to Bo. But we have a great relationship and we're really working on it. So also another fun fact, I'm a father. Uh, he's in the front row. His name's Josh Fu. Uh, and so, yeah. But I'm really excited to be here tonight. I'm excited to speak. I'm excited that Blake's given me this opportunity. Um, real quick, all we're gonna do tonight, we're just gonna go over um, the season of process and what that means. Uh, a few topics, few scriptures, and we're gonna pray together. And then we are going to sing a song together, pray more together, and then that's the whole night. Does that sound good? This is my first time speaking on a normal Thursday. So I'm keeping it short. We're gonna keep it clean. We're gonna keep it fun. And uh, so you're going to be out of here way faster than if Blake was speaking tonight. Does that sound good? All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you just for who you are. Um, we thank you that in the midst of good and in the midst of bad, you're faithful and you're consistent. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Ray. We thank you for all the pastors of this church and Blake and Kelly who have pioneered um, a vision for this age group and this demographic that is so easily forgotten. Um, and God, we're excited to be here tonight. We're excited for you to do. Speak to me. God, things that I have to say, please, please preach to me because most of it's probably stuff I need to work on too. Um, and to this group as well, as we're just learning how to deal with life as 18 to 25 and the fun everyone says it is, but the reality that's kind of hard sometimes. So um, we love you, thank for you, his name we pray, amen. So the process of life, um, there's a lot of challenging things, right? There's finances, there's grief, there's death. There's job opportunities, there's school opportunities. And I'm just hoping tonight that I'm not gonna solve your problems. I'm the worst person to ask um, life questions to because I'll just tell you to get over it probably. Um, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm honest, there's a lot of things I've faced that I'm not even sure how we've all gotten through it. But I hope tonight is a small direction and a step towards healing, um, towards understanding where we're at and being okay with that. So we good with that? Awesome. So the definition of process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. If you're in a process right now, can I get an amen if you're excited that the definition says particular end. I just started Invisalign last week. Anyone here braces or Invisalign growing up? So I thought Invisalign would be better, um, but I realized that I have to shove my hands in my mouth anytime I wanna eat. Um, they're plastic. Uh, and shout out to the environmentalist because Invisalign is also killing the world, am I right? Um, but yeah, I started that last week and thankfully my teeth haven't hurt too bad. I've heard some horror stories, but I will say they had to shove a file in between my teeth to make some room and it hurt really bad. But the beauty of Invisalign is if you stick it out at the end, there's a solution to the problem that you had before. In the process, there's an end to the process. See where I'm going tonight. So we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna bust through this pretty fast tonight. So we're gonna have some special time to pray. Um, so if you have a journal, if you have a Bible, I'm gonna be kind of hopping all over the scriptures tonight. We're not staying in one spot, so it's gonna be on the screens. We need to flip around all the time. But uh, first point is you can't control the chaos. 
Ah, the screens aren't on, so I got to turn around because I didn't put the verses on here. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh, also, by the way, sorry. Can we shout out? This was a last-minute venue change, by the way. Can we shout out the team that made this happen? Put this together. Thank you. Put it together. It's not easy to hear. Going to be in a much larger building and to make it feel as good. So, thank you guys so much for all you did. They're here now. That's what killing times four. Uh, so, you can't control the chaos. The scripture I picked is actually my life verse. Um, it's from Nahum. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in Him. And the the context of Nahum, if you read the Old Testament at all, you see a lot about um, a lot of God's wrath, a lot of war, a lot of crazy stuff is happening that doesn't always sound like as pretty as Jesus does. But I just think it's really interesting that in the seventh verse in chapter one, after it talks about destruction, it's just a reminder that God is good and he's a refuge in times of trouble. And how many know that in chaos, the last thing we ever do is point our eyes towards Jesus knowing that he's our refuge. In the middle of a challenging or chaotic time, he's still a refuge when we choose to trust in him. Read that right off my notes, but I already said that. Come on, that's funny. I'm being honest here. It's my second time speaking. We're having a good time. <laughs> but chaos doesn't always look like kids running around. It doesn't always look like major car accidents. It doesn't always look like pileups or natural disasters. What chaos looks like is when you're taking more than 12 units, you're trying to balance a job, you don't like your mom today, but you like her tomorrow, your dad's giving you grief. Your little brother, little sister's giving you a hard time. Chaos comes in many forms, right? And the thing that's unique about all of us is we all have our own sense of chaos, but none is more important to God than the other. Does that make sense? So whatever you're going through, God cares as much as somebody else. But the attention that chaos wants and chaos craves and asks for is the attention that God deserves. The attention that we're giving to our chaos, the grieving we're giving to our chaos, the hurt, the drama we're giving to our chaos that we're feeding it with is the gratefulness, the praise, the thanksgiving that, deserve, that God deserves, amen? So we're gonna keep moving. That's simple point one. Point two, and be vulnerable with trustworthy people. If you are in a small group in this house, can you just give a shout? If you met your best friend in this ministry, can you give a shout? If you... If we're gonna be honest, if you maybe were walking a different life and for the first time you've had, you made some really strong family in this room, can you just give a shout or raise your hand? That's amazing, hallelujah. Proverbs 27, 17 says, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the best way to do this and sharpen each other is to, to surround yourself with encouraging and honest and open people. An open person isn't someone that's talking about baby mama drama. An open person isn't someone that's talking about your friend's problems. An open person is someone that's sharing what's going on in their life. And it doesn't always need to be drama or problems. Telling someone next to you or your, your friend next to you what your dream is, what your ambition is, what your fear is. You know, we can be honest in here. A lot of us struggle with relationship and a lot of us are going, why aren't we married already? Why is this not a thing? Why am I not making six figures my first year out of a degree that also costs more than six figures? Yeah, it is real, isn't it? That's why I didn't go to college, everybody. That's why I became a pastor. But the process that we find ourselves in is based on those around us because the toxicity people give to you is the toxicity you're gonna receive and then put back out. 
Because if you're not getting anything positive from anybody, how are you gonna feel positive about yourself or your situation? And I think tonight, if it's your first time here, if you're kind of checking it out, or if you've been coming here for a while and kind of wondering what the whole point of this thing is, why I made everybody yell today is because this part is like cool and it's a gathering and we get to do stuff together. But you're in, a, you're in the best spot ever to find a person you can just hang out with and talk about life with. Church is the best spot to walk in. And I love Bayside because I think it's such an accepting culture. If you go to a different church on Sunday morning, we're really glad you're here. We're really happy you're here. But me personally, I'm really thankful I ended up at Bayside Church. I'm really thankful I ended up at Bayside Church. I'm thankful for this ministry. And let me be honest, you're not gonna find your best friend at Lowbrow. <laughs> you're not gonna find your best friend on a Friday. I'm not passing judgment. We've all been there. But if you're looking for love in all the wrong places, you're never gonna find it. If you're looking for love in a substance, you're not gonna find it. If you're looking for love in another female or male to be your companion, it's probably not the first place to look. But if we look to God, if we look to our community, we're gonna find it because when Jesus is the center of community is when it's life-giving, is when it's giving of love, it's when it's giving of servanthood and compassion. So I had, when I was 15, I was living with my mom, who's a single mom, and my sister um, in Sutras Heights in our one-bedroom apartment. Sleep, I slept on the couch in the living room. Um, I just started coming to church when I was 15. Um, I was super excited about it. I had gone on an overnight trip with Bayside's high school ministry. Uh, just a little history. I've been at Bayside since I was uh, 14 years old. I'm 23 now. Um, and I, I started, I went on an overnight trip with Bayside High School and I met one of my best friends. You saw my best friend today. But after a while, you kind of get in the community thing. People that have been involved in church, you take that next step, you get in a small group, you get plugged in. But kind of next thing is goes like, where am I gonna use my gift? Where do I wanna use my gift? That's a whole process too. Especially when we're young, is trying to figure out what our gifting is or what our calling is or should I go to Sierra College or Folsom Lake College? Folsom's probably nicer, but Sierra has more classes. FAFSA usually works sometimes, but if I do it too late, I don't get as much money. My Corolla broke down, but I also want to buy a $5 box at Taco Bell. <laughs> but I probably shouldn't. But I also don't have any money to buy groceries. It happens. But when I was trying to find my calling, I knew music was something I wanted to do. I acted a little bit in high school in theater. Um, theater nerds out there, anybody? There we go. I actually only watched like La La Land. I've never seen The Greatest Showman. I really don't care that much. But actually, I don't want to see Greatest Showman because everyone says it's the best. And if I watch it, I'll just be disappointed. Hugh Jackman's a better werewolf anyway. But Wolverine, not a werewolf. But anyway, back to the story. When, uh, when my mentor at the time, we were mentors. Yeah, I was 15 trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved music. Uh, connected with God a lot through worship. And... Um, we kind of knew each other just through like, he was leading worship lot at group. I'll just say his name. I don't know why I'm trying to hide it. You guys know Tyler DeYoung? Yeah, the leader on Sunday night. Um, that's why I do my hair just like his. Um, no, but yeah, so Tyler was my mentor when I was 15 and he literally walked up to me one day after we met once and he walked up to me at Breakaway and he was like, so I hear you can sing. And I was like, all right, sorry, I'm gonna make, if, if you know where this quote is from, you gain a lot of points in my book. He said, I heard you can sing. I said, well, my shower head's very impressive. 
Nobody? There she goes, High School Musical, favorite movie of all time, Troy Bolton. Um, but yeah, so he asked me that. He said, he said, I heard you can sing. And I was like, well, I mean, I think I can. And we're literally, if you know Bayside, Granite Bay's layout, we're out the back of the parking lot. There's kids running everywhere, actual chaos, uh, breakaway recreations going on. I was like, well, I mean, I think I can, I like to. And he was like, well, can you do it right now? And I was like, okay. And so I sang a, I sang a chorus of one of the songs we did at Breakaway and he was like, cool, man. And then he started asking about my life. And I was like, okay. Um, but then what was crazy was like, he kept hitting me up, but it wasn't about like my musical ability. He would just like, he knew my situation with my parents and my mom and stuff like that. And I was always a little bit timid to share that stuff. Cause I just like, didn't want to make people feel bad or whatever. And he was kind of the first person in my life that started really asking me questions that were um, less about my calling and more about who I just was. Does that make sense? And um, so he lived in, he lived right next to Granite Bay campus. I was living in Citrus Heights, going to Mesa Verde High School. And he would drive all the way, come pick me up, take me to Guitar Center in Rockland, got my guitar fixed for me, drove me to the church, would just hang out, would take a guitar lesson, teach me some vocal stuff, and then drive me all the way home. And in between, he'd buy me coffee, uh, food, all that stuff. And it showed me that the best way to own your process is to not let it own you. Because I'm sure that Tyler at the time was going through stuff. He was around our age at the time. He was going through stuff. But the moment you let your process take away from caring about somebody else is the moment that you've lost the process. The moment that you stop reaching out for help is one thing. You should be reaching out for help. But the moment that you stop seeing others because of what is going on in your life is, getting, is blinding you, then it's kind of hard to come back from that. Point number three, we got four points, so we're hauling through this thing right now. Uh, bring your hidden issues to light. Uh, John 12, 35 said, Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. How many of you have walked into like a pole or a door or something when it's been dark? <laughs> it's pretty tough. But you know, if there was a light, you wouldn't have ran into it. But it's really similar to what God does, right? Like there's a lot of darkness in our life that we're walking in and we just don't want to acknowledge that there's a light that'll keep us from walking into it. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, I think, that's not on there. Yeah, my favorite quote is Mike Todd, a uh, good pastor. He said, we want the prophetic word, but aren't willing to put in the prophetic work. And all that means, it's not saying, well, you want to put in the prophetic word and you're not speaking in tongues, you're not doing all this stuff. No, I think a prophetic, when we want the prophetic word, all we want to do is chase after our anointing and calling, but we want to stay away from the relationship. It's hard to have a relationship. It's hard to put that work in. And it's hard when you can't see the guy. It's hard when you can't touch the guy because he lives in the sky. It should be a Dr. Seuss book, I think. <laughs> but when we want the prophetic word, but I want the prophetic work. If we, want the anointing and the bless, if we want the anointing and the blessing so bad that we don't reach out for the sacrifice, then we probably don't deserve it, amen? In the process that we're in, we choose to see our anointing and calling as, our, as a satisfactory goal versus a developing relationship with Jesus, then we've probably lost it. Because guess what? I can tell you from experience, don't know what you are doing in here. If you get to Madison Square Garden, you'll get to Broadway, you get to be on the Patriots, get catching from Tom Brady. I would say be on the Sacramento Kings, but... We just won six in a row. So shout out, you do want to be on the Sacramento Kings. Six of eight, thank you, Foo, my son. Um, <laughs> but you're gonna reach all that stuff and guess what's gonna happen? 
it's just gonna be the way your life is now and you're gonna want more because your relationship was never developed. God's not gonna always take away your anointing calling just because you're not paying attention to them. Look at all the celebrities that we have that they've reached full success and then end up overdosing or hurting themselves or doing something because there's such a deeper level than what we're doing on stage or in front of people to see, amen? Oftentimes, surrendering our dreams to God is as important as our hurts. It's really easy to come to God and say, God, take this sin away from me, the thorn in my side. Just take it away, God. It hurts and I can't do what I wanna do, but I'm gonna hold on to what I wanna do and not give it to you. I'm gonna hold on to my dream. I'm gonna hold on to the stage. I'm gonna hold on um, to the job I want because that stuff's not gonna hurt anybody if I just hold on. But really, we think that our sin and our hurt is the, where the real sin lies, but God talks about ego a lot in scripture. He just talks about pride a lot in scripture. And we're not willing to lay our, our dreams down as fast as we are to lay down our hurts. And I think we got that a little mixed up. And we're filling ourselves with other stuff too. Like we're filling ourselves feeding off of uh, our ambitions and our goals. We're feeding off of people telling us we're doing a good job. We're feeding off of $5 Taco Bell boxes and not taking care of our bodies. And we're just letting all that stuff get in the way. We're just gonna pour it all right back out into somebody else that really doesn't deserve that. They don't deserve it from me. What did they do so wrong that they're catching me being selfish? I don't know. Point number four, we have to pursue God-given opportunities despite the situation surrounding us. Another one of my favorite quotes, Thomas Edison. It says, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Ooh, we like that one. I'm sure you like it, but maybe we all gotta learn something from it. Um, God doesn't want us to spectate. God doesn't want us to spectate. He wants to participate. How many of you know that I've taken a high school or college course, participation is like 40% of the grade. You know what I'm saying? The syllable, God has a syllable. It's called B-I-B-L-E. And uh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> uh, but God, uh, God doesn't want us to spectate his work. He wants us to participate because when we are actively sitting on the sidelines, we're actively telling God we don't have enough faith to pursue what we should be pursuing. And there are times for sitting. Scripture tells us, a lot of us know, it's one of the most Pinterested verses of all time. Be still and know that I am God. But God also commands us to go out and do stuff and take action and for social justice and for, because I think we, a lot of times, like for me, I'd be like, man, I love worship and I love teaching. I love all that kind of stuff. And so I wanna pursue that. But God's going like, is that really the most important thing you could be pursuing is your dream? Like, I got it figured out. Why don't you go help a poor person? We got people living on the streets. We got Acres of Hope every month. Shout out everyone that goes on Saturday mornings. That's faith in action. And the people that go do things like that, they're not worried about what people are telling them if they're doing a good job or not. They're worried about taking care of some single mom and kids who need it. But guess what? It's hard. It's hard to sacrifice your Saturday morning. It's hard to do that stuff. If you go to Genesis 37, it's a story about um, Joseph. Kind of starts from there. We're just going to kind of cover it really fast. Um, but if you want to dive into it, it starts in Genesis 37, the first book of the Bible. Um, it's just kind of crazy how the book was written so long ago, but stuff's still so accurate to our lives. Like one of my least favorite things people say is like, what does a 2,000 year old book need to do in your life? It's like, if you just read it, you would know it's teaching us something. Um, Joseph, so he worked for his father and his family. They lived on like a farm, tending to livestock, tending to their sheep, whatever. He had... A lot of older brothers, and one of the things the scripture says, and this is kind of weird, is that 
Joseph had, not Joseph, his father had Joseph when he was um, at an old age. And so it literally says in the scripture, Joseph was his favorite child. How many of you in here are the oldest? How many in here are the youngest? How many know the youngest is always the favorite? And I would, I would call on the middle children, but you're already used to not being paid attention to. But I'm just kidding. You're seen, you're loved, you're cared for here at Bayside 1825. But babies always win. But anyway, so they do this. And one of the things, if I was the youngest, there was stuff I could get away with, but there's some things I didn't, I would just not test with my sister. Because she was just abusive, man. She was physical. I walked in that living room one time and she just kicked me in the stomach for no reason. It's crazy. It was the craziest thing that ever happened to me. Um, just kicked me right in the stomach. Uh, so Joseph had a dream. Uh, uh, he had a gift of interpreting dreams and he received a dream from God that um, basically it said that his brothers would be bowing down to him and he would be their ruler. And how many of you as the oldest of your younger sibling came up to you and was like, dude, I had this dream. I know this might sound crazy, but I'm gonna be a ruler one day. That wouldn't work out that way. It's not the way we do things. So what did Joseph's brothers do? The most conscious thing they could do. They decided they wanted to kill him. So they did, but then they decided they want to kill him. They talked about, they're like, oh, you know what? He's our brother. Like, we're just being like pissed off old guys. Like, let's chill out. Like, let's just sell him into slavery. So they sold him into slavery. (laughs) And when he was sold into slavery, um, the guy that bought him was actually the Pharaoh of Egypt. It was Potiphar. Um, And so Joseph went into Egypt and, had a tough time, he's a slave, like that'd be so hard. And, but Potiphar uh, bought him. It sounds so horrendous saying like someone bought somebody. Potiphar bought him, um, but realized pretty fast that Joseph was like a good dude and could like interpret stuff and was really good at um, just doing his job and being respectful and all this thing. So Joseph kind of worked his way up to being Potiphar's assistant. And so imagine that, like you're a slave two uh, months ago, a couple months ago, and the next thing you know, you're getting, you're going from being Joseph the slave to Joseph Potiphar's right-hand man. And like, you're probably eating meals with Potiphar that no one's ever had before. You're probably shaking hands with really powerful people of your time. Like you're probably doing some really cool stuff, but there was a catch to the story that was just really tough. And Potiphar had a wife and all I know her as is Potiphar's wife. I don't know her name, I forgot it. Um, But she really wanted Joseph. She really wanted him, really wanted him. She was done with her old man. She really wanted Joseph. And so every day, Joseph was in the house a lot, working by himself, you know, probably making things right for Potiphar. It's making Potiphar's life easier. His wife, every single day, would be like, Joseph, just come lay with me. Like, he'll never know. Joseph, like, just come do this. He'll never know. And every day, Joseph, no, it's not my, it's not right to God and it's not right to Potiphar. Every single day. And it was getting kind of wild out of hand. Now, let me just say this. When I say the Bible is accurate to modern day, there's some of you in this room that have had someone that have caused you to do that. Let me tell you, the scripture here is very specific in letting you know that that wasn't your fault. This wasn't Joseph's fault that someone was chasing him, that someone wanted him so bad that they were willing to do a lot of crazy things for it. And if you're in this room, I just felt like if you're in this room and you've been in a spot where someone's been a little too much or they've done something to you and told you that nothing bad would happen if just you didn't say anything, um, just know that this is a safe place. You're safe here, really happy you're here and that um, it wasn't your fault. But Joseph, so he just kept saying, no, 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 no. And um, one day he left and he left his cloak behind. Potiphar's wife grabbed his cloak, told her husband, told everybody, Joseph raped me. 
Joseph took advantage of you being out of the house and he raped me. Now, could you imagine like you were a, your brother sold you into slavery when all you were doing was just trying to figure out what the heck your calling was? You get thrown into a pit, you get sold into slavery, you get picked up by the king, you're a slave in the land of Egypt and you start rising up, you start rising up and you reach the point where you think you've made it and all of a sudden it comes crashing down. And not just like a little thing, not like, oh, like just step back. Like Potiphar threw Joseph into prison and was gonna kill him. And I can only imagine like Joseph is probably in the, in the prison cell. And I mean, it doesn't really say this in the scripture, but we know as humans, the first reaction is just like, God, this is so unfair. God, I've been surrounding myself with the right people. God, I've been working on it. God, I've been focusing on you instead of the chaotic things of my brothers. God, I've been bringing out the hidden stuff. But sometimes in life, things just don't always work when you take the action steps, right? But Joseph chose not to live in the reality of the unfairness. Because the reality of unfairness, I'm not saying, if I was in Joseph's position, I probably would have just given up. I'm not saying it's not bad to have moments where you're questioning God. Paul actually said it's okay to ask God questions and bring him your complaints. But when you start living in that, when you live in the bitterness, when you live in the hurt, you're not gonna receive the blessing in the same way than if you just surrendered it at the feet of God. And Joseph, he decided to surrender. He said, you know what? I'm gonna give this up to you, God. Like, what can I do? I'm in a prison cell. I, I can't watch TikTok in here. Can't pass the time. I'm just gonna give it up to you and I'm just gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be faithful to you. Long story short, you guys can go read it for yourself. There's a lot of stuff in between that's really good. Joseph kind of worked his way back. He knew a guy who knew a guy who knew he could interpret dreams. All the way back up to Potiphar and Potiphar ended up forgiving him and letting him back in. And um, Joseph ended up becoming Pharaoh of Egypt um, and actually offered forgiveness to his brothers, which is crazy. You know, my story hasn't always been the easiest. I'm not doing this to confront with Joseph, it's a lot different. But I just think it's relatable in the sense when I was, I was born into a family where my dad was addicted to drugs and alcohol and suffered from PTSD. And my mom had me when she was really young and my sister when we were, she was younger. And so she didn't get to live out her youthfulness and she started living that out as we got older. And so, I, I mean, I had a lot of stuff going on when I was little, but then I walked into Bayside Church when I was 15 and I met one of my best friends and I met my mentor Then I got plugged in and I started leading worship. I did Thrive, shout out Thrive School. I did Thrive for two years and then I got put into a residency program. Then I came on staff. I came on staff because they trusted me. And I thought I made it and I did. I mean, I did in my dream. But a Thursday night, two years ago, 11 p.m., I just get a call to know that my dad died. He had been sober for six years, eight years before this. He worked on himself. Just like that, he was dead, gone. My best friend. And yeah, all I could do is scream how unfair it was that all I did was work my butt off. But everything that God takes away, he gives back. I'm not saying I get my dad back, but what I got back was a new perspective. What I received was a deeper relationship with my heavenly father. 
What I received was an awareness to those around me that are going through stuff that they just don't wanna talk about it. What I received was just a deeper understanding of how much God cares for us in the midst of processes. And I don't say that story to say that, woe is me, here's how good I've done. I say that story because I think there's a lot of us in here who've walked through some really crappy stuff. And there's some of you in here that are going, well, like I kind of talked about earlier, like the biggest thing in my life that's happened is like, I couldn't get like into LSU, but I got into like Cal. And there's some of you that are saying, well, I like am suffering from a terminal illness. Don't think that just because your sounds less bad that God cares any less. God cares just as much and he's just as faithful to you and he sees your needs and your desires. It's the same exact instructions for all of us. We need to surrender. And so tonight, can we just bring the lights down when you get a chance? Um, we're gonna go in a little bit of a prayer moment tonight. And I hope tonight it was encouraging and some things maybe brought new perspective. I know writing this message, it was a lot of new perspective for me. And um, I hope anything I said that was weird just kind of fell off about High School Musical. <laughs> I've already watched High School Musical, Musical, the series thing on Disney Plus though. Love the movie. Love the series, sorry. But... Age 25, when we're dealing with processes, we can't be filling ourselves with things that are gonna cause us to pour out hate and bitterness. You know, God calls us to take care of ourselves spiritually, mentally, and physically. And you've noticed I've kind of came back around to a lot of things I was making jokes about earlier because in reality, when I was facing some stuff for about four months ago, that was causing me to take a step back from what I was doing. I realized when I stopped eating terrible, I actually like felt better. And when I started choosing to wake up at a normal time, which I slept until nine today, so. But when I started to choose to wake up at more normal times and go to bed at normal times, like, I felt better. And if you have like a real depression, anxiety issue, I'm not diminishing that, but I'm saying, what would happen if we started taking all three things seriously? How much, how much easier would our process be and how much stronger would we get through that? If, we'd all be jacked, I mean, if we started working out through our process. So tonight, what we're gonna do, we're just gonna pray. We're gonna take some time to pray. Um, but before we do that, I have a quote I wanna read you guys. It's a little long, about a couple paragraphs. You can close your eyes or open your eyes, do whatever you want. However you can feel like you can listen to this best, won't be on the screen. It's from an author named Elizabeth Elliot. Sorry, I said her name like with six syllables. Elizabeth Elliot. And uh, she wrote a book called... Um, don't remember what the book's called. Something about loneliness, finding God in the wilderness of life. Um, and she just wrote this, can we give up all for the love of God? When the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask, it is first of all, because our thoughts about God himself are paltry. We have not really seen him. We have hardly tested him at all and learned how good he is. In our blindness, we approach him with suspicious reserve. We ask how much of our fun he intends to spoil, how much he will demand from us, how high is the price we must pay before he is uh, placated. If we had the least notion of his loving kindness and tender mercy, his fatherly care for his poor children, his generosity, his beautiful plans for us, if we knew how patiently he waits for our turning to him, how gently he means to lead us to green pastures and still waters, how carefully he is preparing a place for us, how ceaselessly he is ordering or ordaining and engineering his master plan for our good. If we had any inkling of all this, could we be reluctant to let go of our smashed dandelions and whatever we clutch so fiercely in our sweaty little hands? 
If with courage and joy, we pour ourselves out for him and for others for his sake, it is not possible to lose in any final sense, anything worth keeping. All we will lose is ourselves and our selfishness. We will gain everything worth having. 825, if you're in here tonight, I need to let go of selfishness and hurts and burdens and gain everything worth having. Let's just pray. So with your head bowed, your eyes closed. I don't mean, can I just get the house lights down, please? Thank you so much. I'm just gonna ask a few things and I, I, please, I ask you, I know we all kind of peek once in a while. Sorry, I didn't mean, I meant front lights, my bad. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I, I know we look up a lot when the pastor tells us not to because it's, we wanna see who raises their hands. But tonight I'm gonna ask some really important stuff. And if we could just honor each other's privacy, honor each other's, just respect each other and just be able to keep our eyes closed. And if someone around you wants to share with you, then they will, but we'll get there. So we'll start off pretty easy. If you are just in this room and I'm expecting a lot of hands to go, go if you're just in this room and you're just in some sort of process, can you just raise your hand, whether that's financial? Thank you. And if you're in this room and I already said the word, but if you're facing financial process or job opportunity or school opportunity, those three things, if you're in a spot going, hey, my finances are really tight and I don't know what I'm gonna do. My job is kind of lacking and my school situation sucks. If you're one of those three things, can you just raise your hand tonight? Thank you guys, you guys are really brave. And if you're in here and your boyfriend, a girlfriend, a mom or dad, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, and you're just going, God, I have a relationship in my life that I just don't know what to do with it. Like I've been trying really hard, but all I'm doing is running myself into a wall. Would you just raise your hand tonight? I know all of your eyes closed and I have mine open, so I get to see you guys and it's really cool. But just know you're not alone. Like, no, you're not alone. So we're gonna pray for those three things first. So let's pray, God, we thank you. God, we thank you just for who you are. God, in the process of finance, in the process of anything, in job, our school, our relationships, God, we ask that you bleed into it, God. You poured your blood out for us so that we could succeed in things and not be timid and not be afraid. God, bless us in the way you need to bless us and not the way that we wanna be blessed. And these are really important ones that we're gonna say. So we get the lights back down. Once again, just please, eyes closed. This is serious stuff and please don't feel the need to raise your hand if you aren't comfortable. But if you, like we were talking about earlier with Potiphar's wife, if you've suffered from any sort of abuse, verbal, mental, sexual, and you feel like it's something you're still carrying with you, would you just raise your hand? You guys are really, really brave. Thank you so much. You're not alone. If you're in here and you've lost somebody, a mom, a dad, a friend, a cousin, and they died and they were really close to you. And trust me, grief and pain and stuff that's gonna be normal to deal with for the rest of your life. But if it's something that you're constantly facing, just cannot seem to get past it and just be able to have joy, would you just raise your hand? Once again, you guys are really brave. You're not alone. Thank you guys. If you're in here and you're suffering from addiction and you want it to be gone, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, anger, narcissism, codependency, you can't seem to not have a person in your life to take care of you, would you raise your hand? Thank you guys. Once again, 
not alone. You guys are really brave. And the last one in this series of a topic, if you are in here and you just wanna be honest, you know, Chris, I have a lot of friends. I think I have good acquaintances in my life. But anytime I seem to go to bed, anytime I put my head down and I go on Instagram and I see people are hanging out or go on Facebook, whatever, I just don't, I just feel lonely. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing my best to make my friendships and, but I'm just lonely. I'm just sad. I'm bummed out. Would you raise your hand tonight? You guys are really brave. And once again, you're not alone. There's more than one of you in here. So God, we thank you tonight for honesty. We thank you that we can be honest in your presence. God, nothing lacks in your presence. Fear falls, darkness falls, God. Lord, we just pray for healing tonight. In your name, we pray for healing over abuse. We pray for healing over grief. We pray for healing over loneliness and addiction, God. That those things would become, they, they, would, become, they would go behind us as we move forward. God, because you look at our past, you don't see shame. God, you look at our past and you see beauty being molded. God, you've called us to be beautiful. You called us to follow in your will. And God, we're excited and we're expecting. And all we want from this, we, we don't expect to be over it in one night, but we expect to wake up just a little happier tomorrow and a little lighter when we walk out this room tonight. And with every head bowed and every eyes closed, every eye closed, we're gonna do one more prayer tonight. And it's always one of the favorites we get to do. Jesus came down from from the heavens, God wrapped himself in flesh and he saw all these needs. He sees everything that's going on. He sees the unfairness. He sees the hurt, the bitterness. And he decided rather than to mail you a letter, rather than to text you that you're fine, he sent himself and he died on a cross to forgive us and to call us to cleanliness and purity and holiness and joy and faith. If you're in here tonight and you wanna recommit or commit your life to Christ and you're just going, Chris, I've been walking this thing for a long time and I've really been trying Maybe I haven't been ignoring, but I've just been trying to figure stuff out on my own, but I'm done. I'm so far done with the hurt that comes with me being selfish or, I don't even wanna use that word selfish because a lot of you in here have just been trying to put up a fight because stuff's hard and you just wanna make through it. You just wanna get through it. But if it's not, you're going, Chris, I wanna lay this stuff down at the feet of Jesus and name him my savior for the first time or recommitment. Would you mind raising your hand tonight? Thank you guys, you're really brave. You're not alone. And we're really excited and really expectant for what you're gonna be doing. So God, we pray tonight, Lord, you have this night. God, have your way with us. No matter the circumstance, despite our feelings all the time, God, you're more than, you're more than a feeling, as Boston would say. God, you're more than an emotion, you're real. And your reality is that you care for us and you love us despite the stuff that we have going on. And God, for those of, you, those of us that accepted Christ tonight into our heart, God, we pray that you would, you would help us tonight see you in a unique way that we never have before. That would just remind us of why we made the decision we did. God, because accepting a life with you comes at no cost other than to give up the things that aren't good for us. And so we love you.